You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Just a couple quick uh, housekeeping things. It is our desire um, to next, really, we've, we've had to suspend one of the most essential ministries of our church the last couple months uh, because COVID, and we really want it back, and uh, it's just essential for who we are and what we do. And so next Sunday, we're trying to bring back coffee. Okay, so, um, uh, but here's the, here's the deal. We, uh, we only have, we have a limited of supply of folks that are willing to serve. We're gonna actually put the coffee out front and not in the coffee area. If you'd be willing to serve on that team, this is a huge discipleship issue, y'all. I'm just telling you. Uh, we would love to celebrate the colder, a little bit colder, not today, but out, uh, weather with coffee outside. And so if that's something you'd be able to do, um, on, before you leave, just drop a connect card. There should be some in the little foyer. You can go back, grab one, or just email us at info, dot, uh, info at cbcsavannah.com and say, just write, coffee, me, yes, or whatever, and your name, so we know. We really would like to, I get coffee anyway, I'm just telling you, because I know where the secret room is, but you don't, and I won't tell you. So if you want coffee, serve, okay? That's number one. Number two, um, uh, the staff, one of the things the staff we're trying to do is to develop theologically a little bit. So we are partnering in this next season, next year, with Dallas Theological Seminary uh, to, uh, some of our guys are gonna start a master's program or at least take some master's classes. Um, what we wanna do is open that up for the, the body. Um, and so what they're agreeing to do, uh, at least in the spring, we'll see how this goes, is they're, they're gonna give us a hybrid class where, where it's an online class, but also on one uh, weekend in, in probably April, uh, one of the professors is going to fly here and teach a Thursday night, Friday all day, Saturday all day as part of that hybrid. Uh, and we'll open that up, that piece to the whole body, just if you want to come. But if you would like to jump into a master's program uh, in theology, um, this is something that we would love for as many people in our church to do as possible, because we need a minimum number for this to work anyway. But if you're interested in some theological training, getting a little bit more robust in that, and maybe even pursuing a master's degree... Uh, we are going to have, there's going to be an online Zoom kind of informational meeting this week. Uh, we don't have the time locked down yet, but that's important to kind of attend because you get uh, a free registration to the, to the school. Like there's an application fee, but that'll get waived if you, if you get in a meeting and they'll give you a little code. So if you're, in, if you're just interested in pursuing a little bit more theological uh, education uh, and you have that margin in your life, um, and a little bit of more resources to kind of do that. Come talk to me afterwards. I'll have you email me and I'll send you the link this week and so we can all be in that meeting together. You get the free application fee and at least you know what, what's, what's happening. But that's something that we wanna equip some folks that might pursue that. Uh, and so just uh, an opportunity for us. So that's, that's gonna happen this week. So come talk to me afterwards. So, all right, um, turn to First John chapter three. Today, we're gonna talk about love. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Right? Some of you don't know that song, right? How about, uh, we want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Right? That's, that's Foreigner, 1980-something, right? That's, some of you are like, yes, that's it. Can we sing that afterwards? Maybe, right? We'll sing that as a, a song of response. Um, this idea of love, huge idea, right? A lot of misconception in our culture, too. Part of it is because every you know, teeny bopper movie is I'm in love and every, you know, every song, I mean, how many songs are about love? Um, we even use the word love. We just kind of throw it around in our language. So just kind of like, it's just everywhere, right? So if I say, hey man, uh, you know, how's, how's your job going? Love it, love it. Really, do you love it? I mean, maybe. 
Or you say, hey, we need to go get some food after church. Man, I'd love some pizza. Love it. You want something to drink? Love a LaCroix. Give me a LaCroix, right? Uh, you know, uh, I think I'm falling in love with him or I love Netflix. Or, you know, we just use the word so much that it kind of loses a little bit of its punch when we see it in the scriptures. And so what we as a, as a church and as followers of Christ uh, want to, to understand is when, he, when God says love one another, what does that mean? Because it's got to be deeper than I love my cat. Right? It's got to be deeper than I love pepperoni pizza, although there it is good, right? Screaming memes, right? Okay, and here, here's the big reason why. Last week, what we saw at the end of our text was that John says this, by this it is evident the children of God and the children of the devil. What? Those who don't practice righteousness, we kind of covered that, and those who don't love. So what love is, is a marker of the follower of Jesus. It just is. It is a evident piece that you know God. And so it's important for us to understand what it is and what it looks like. And so we're going to talk about today love and what it means to love our brother as we unpack 1 John 3, verse 11 through 18. And, and what we see is, if you study John, John is, is like the love doctor. I kind of did, and I was studying this week, just some word searches. The word love in all its forms, because you got phileo, you got agape, you got different words for it in the Greek. But the word love in the English Standard Version, the version that I'm preaching from, it's used in the New Testament 293 times. Okay, that's a lot for 27 books. But out of those 293, and John uses the word, get this, in his gospel and in this letter, not even counting Revelation, not counting second or third John, he uses the, the word love 103 times. More than one third of the word love uses in the New Testament is used by this guy. And 46 of them are in this little letter. So he's the love doctor. I mean, if he was writing songs in his day, he'd be the, the journey, the REO speed wagon. He's Chicago, right? That's who he is. And it's not because he's just kind of this soft, sappy dude who watches Hallmark movies. It's because he's a guy who spent his entire life with Jesus. His, his younger days, he was the cousin of Jesus. And then he spent three and a half years following Jesus in his ministry. And now for 50 plus years, he's been walking as an apostle of Jesus. And so he knows something about love because he saw Christ. And so now he's gonna teach us. And what he's gonna do is this. It's, it's very simple. He's going to compare and contrast, which he does a lot, the child of the devil and the child of God. This is what love isn't, child of the devil. This is what love is, child of God. Very simple. And he's going to give us some examples of what it isn't and what it is. And that's for us to say, okay. So we can say, okay, this is what love isn't. This was what love is. So let's just jump right in. That we may know love, right? That you may know love. That's the idea today. Verse 11. My glasses, so I can see. There we go. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And, and this is linking right back to what he says, right? First word, for. What did he just say before that? The one who doesn't love God, doesn't, uh, doesn't love his brother, doesn't love God. Why? Because this is the message we've heard from the beginning. This is the way it's been since the church began. The people of God marked by the love for God and for neighbor. And so you, you can look, look at church history. The church loved, even in the midst of oppression. The emperor Julian, uh, who was one of the emperors of Rome, tried to stamp out Christianity. 
killing Christians, arresting Christians. And he writes to one of his high priests in his frustration because he cannot get rid of these Christians. He says, this atheism, that's what he called Christianity because it didn't worship the Roman gods. He said, this atheism is, is advanced by their loving service, rendered as strangers. He said, it's a scandal that not one single Jew is a beggar. And these godless Galileans carry not only for their own poor, but our poor as well. He says, I'm trying to kill these people and they're just so daggum nice. It's crazy. And, it's, and, and because they are, the God, this, this Christianity is spreading even though I kill them. See, that's the idea. That's the mark of the follower. It has been from the beginning. And that's what he says. This is, this is not new. This is what Jesus taught. This is what's been going on from the beginning. And so he's gonna tell us now, because that's the idea that we should love our brother, he's gonna say, okay, this is what love isn't and this is what love is, right? He's gonna start with the isn't. And this is the idea of, of what he said in verse 10, the child of God versus the child of the devil. This is what the child of the devil looks like. This is what love is not. We should not be like Cain, who is of the evil one. And the English uh, translations, because we have uh, you know, grammar checks and editors, they smooth out things to make it real kind of like good English. But the original says, we should love one another, and then it just jumps right in, not like Cain. That's how it originally reads. Now we kind of make a new sentence. We should be not like Cain. But it's like, love one another, not. This is the negative example. Don't be like Cain, who is the original child of the devil. He's the original brother hater, right? He's gonna go all the way back to the beginning and give an example of a guy who hated his brother, the first hater of brothers. He could have used a lot of people. Could have used Judas Iscariot. He could have used Saul, King Saul, who hated David. He could have used... Joseph's brothers is a great example of hate. He goes back to the very beginning to the first brother hater, Cain. And if you're not familiar with his story, it's found in Genesis 4. We don't have time to unpack it, but let me give you the kind of Cliff's Notes version or the Wikipedia for those who live in this era, right? Here's what happens. So Cain is the firstborn of Adam and Eve. Abel is his brother. Cain is a, a farmer. Abel takes care of animals. He's a rancher, right? Both good careers in the early days, right? Even still today. And so it says at a point in time, they both bring an offering to God. Cain brings his fruit. Abel brings the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. God approves of Abel and he rejects Cain, right? And there's a lot of debate. What happened? Why did he take Abel's and not Cain's? And some say, well, Cain didn't bring his best. He just brought kind of what's left over. Uh, possible? I don't think so. The writer of Hebrews says, Abel brought an offering of faith. Cain did not, Right? Because faith, remember, comes from hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. And so faith is a response to what God has revealed. I think Abel brings a offering of blood because this is what God has modeled. When Adam and Eve sin and they hide from God, they try to put the fruit of the ground to cover their sin. He says, that's not gonna be enough. And so what does God do? He gives a sacrifice. He offers something. He kills something as a substitute and he covers them. I think that's why Abel is accepted. He understands there has to be a substitute. Cain is trying to bring his best works, my best fruit, my best apples, my best pomegranates, but that's, that's not a substitute. That's not blood. And he gets mad because Abel is accepted and I am not. And it, he rises up there in the field one day and he kills his brother in the first murder. And so John says, why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil. He's evil, Right? This is the opposite of love. And so if you kind of dig down, what is Cain's problem? What can we learn about what love isn't? Here's the first thing love isn't. Love isn't about you. 
Cain is about himself. He is selfish. He's mad. He's angry at his brothers, except that I'm not. He has what I don't have. He gets mad. Then he hates him. And then he kills him. And that's where it builds. Hate is the embryo of murder. And I know some of us are like, well, you know, I'm not there. I mean, that's kind of extreme. Yeah, that's the deep end of the pool. But some of us, I think, are swimming over here in the shallow end of the pool. And we're like, ah, it's no big deal. And here's what it looks like. Here's where it starts. It's things like, well, why do they get to do that? And I don't. Why does my boss always give him the good projects and I always get left over with the junk? All right, why, why, why is she so pretty and I'm not? Why does their family get to go on these vacations? I see their Facebook, everyone's happy, everyone's in their little flowery shirts and they're in some you know, blue water, pretty, and we're always stuck in Pooler. Our vacations are Walmart and Chick-fil-A. Why, 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 why? Love is not boast, love is not envious. Because it starts saying, well, I, there's resentment. And it's the shallow end of the pool. But, but what God tells Cain when he is mad, he says, sin is crouching at your door and you must master it. When you're sitting there envious, jealous, mad about this, and they get this and I don't get this and they're not over this, sin is crouching at your door. And you may be not in the deep end of the pool, but you're in the shallow end and don't take much to get down there. Or when we hear things like this, Never heard of this if you have kids, but I mean, it's not fair. Why, why is his curfew 11.30? My curfew when, when I was his age was, was 10.30. What happened? Well, we trust them a lot more than you. That's what happened, but that's another story. But it's not fair. It's not fair, right? Yeah, it's not. You don't want fairness. Fairness means you are separated God, from God forever. That's fair, Right? So, but that, that's, that's about me. What I want is my rights. Or, or here's, here's a more, even more subtle way. And we see this, this is very American of us, but well, you do that to me, I'm gonna do that to you then. Right, treat others how they treat you. Sounds nice. That's in the Bible, isn't it? Not quite, but right? I, I, you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. you. You can offer me something, I can give you something. Right, but you disrespect me. You do this to me, you cut me off. <laughs> oh, yes, right. I'm coming, right? I mean, you, you know, it's, it's the Chicago way, right? You bring a knife, we bring a gun. You send one in the hospital, we send one of yours to the morgue. That's the, that's the American way. That's not the Christian way. It's not love. Love is not about you. That's the idea. It's, it's just not, right? It's, it's, it's about the other person, Right? That's the first thing. Here's the next thing he says, verse 13. Do not be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. That's an encouraging verse. Somebody needs to get tattooed. Right? Don't be shocked. And here's why he says that. I think some of us are. I think we're shocked. I was so nice. Look at all the things I did for them. I mean, when they were sick, I brought them food, when they were this or that. And, and, and you should still do that. That's not the point. But the idea is, don't be shocked when the world hates you. Why? They hated the most loving, humble, gentle, kind person who ever walked the face of the earth, Jesus. And you ain't him. So if they hated him, he says, don't be shocked that they're going to hate you too. Because I think what's happened is we've been sold a little bit of bill of goods. We've been told... If I'm kind, everyone will be kind. If I'm nice, everyone will be nice. I mean, right? All we need is love. The Beatles were right. 
And then they broke up. All right, thank you, Yoko Ono, for that. Well, so, so this is not the way it always works. And here's the second thing love is, and love isn't always reciprocated. It's not always returned. Sometimes it is, but not always. Why? Because people are selfish. People are like Cain. Sometimes it's because people uh, are, when you are kind and loving and gentle and, and humble, you, that's light and that light exposes their darkness and they don't like to be exposed and so they hate you. That's what Jesus said. Sometimes you can be as, as kind and honest and helpful and, and yet stand for something that is true and it doesn't matter. Like as a church, we are not called to compromise truth. We're to speak the truth in love. But I cannot sit here and, and, and compromise truth and tell you everything's okay if it's not. Right? I just, I just can't. No, I can be gentle and loving, but, but that doesn't mean that people are going to respond. I know these are, it's a, it's a super, the times are super divided, right? And there's super tension, especially when it comes to what, quote, political ideas. But let me just encourage you, First of all, this is not a political issue, but when I say something like, like this, right, I better put on my helmet, but when I say God created marriage between a man and a woman for the, for, the, for the entirety of their lives, when I say that, put on a helmet. It's true, I can tell you as loving as, as possible, but people are gonna hate that I say that and believe that. But see, it's not my job to adjust truth to what the world says is truth. In fact, if I do that, if I call what God says is evil good, bad things happened. I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you as loving as I can the truth. I gotta say, I gotta stand up for the life of the unborn. Why? Because God gives dignity to everybody made in his image from, from, the, from birth to death. It's not a political issue. It's a biblical issue. This is why we, t- we, we pour resources and time into those, those ministries that, that protect life, but also that then, then take care of life after the womb, because I think we do real good about before, but we don't. So we support ministries that take care of single moms, and we're doing this for the neighborhood, for people with kids who can't care for their kids in school, and we take care of the whole life because life matters. But see, when I say that, I, oh, that's hateful. You can't say that. No, it's, it's true, and I, and I love you. I just want you to know the truth. We have a lot of ladies and, and guys who have been, uh, had abortions and, and pushed that way, and there's forgiveness there, but it doesn't make it less wicked. And we gotta stand on truth and love, but, but not be afraid of the truth. When I, look, there's, there's and this is kind of in the deep end of the pool for some of us, but there is a cultural Marxism that is creeping in the church of Jesus, and you might not even know what that is, so you can go Google it, but Look, Marxism and Christianity do not match. It's oil and water because Marxism wants to pull God out of the picture and God becomes something that's not God. And sin becomes something that's not sin and a savior is something that's not a savior. It is an idolatry. It is not, it is not work with Christianity. And if I say something about it, I'm gonna be ripped. But that's I, just because sometimes people don't like truth. Doesn't mean we don't stand for it. Doesn't mean we don't speak the truth in love. But it, it does mean just don't be shocked when you're kind and loving and people don't respond to you. All right? That's the next thing love isn't. So love is not about me and it's love not is not always returned and it's not optional. Love isn't optional for the follower of Jesus. It's just not. Look what he says. Verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life. How? Because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. 
Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Again, this is very John, right? He says there's two options. Abide in death, abide in life. That's, that's your two options. Here's two options. Child of God, child of the devil. Two options. Love, hate. Lover, murderer. Those are the options. For the follower of Jesus, there's no options. You are, you are a lover of your brother, period. Or you're a murderer. That's what he says, right? That, that, those are your two options. And if you are a murderer, if you're angry with your brother, if you don't love your brother, he says, you're a murderer. He said, that's super strong. He's just repeating what Jesus has said, right? Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said that you shouldn't murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. He says, I say to you, if you're angry with your brother, you're liable to judgment. You insult your brother, you're a murderer. You say you're fool. That takes us to the next level, right? So the question is this, Christian, who are you mad at? Who's that person when you see that social media post that you just want, it just makes you, mm, right? Or that person that wounded you and I say, who's the person you're angry at? And you immediately go back 13 years to that Right, might be an ex, might be a boss, might be someone who put you out of business, might be just someone in this church who did something, who slandered you, gossip. Right? See, what's not option? You don't have to be best friends with that person. You don't have to trust that person because maybe they're not trustworthy. You don't have to give them, let your kid, them babysit your kids. But what's not optional is you cannot, you cannot not love them, and you cannot not forgive them. And what's not optional for the follower is you cannot say, "I'm done with them." That's not optional. Again, don't want to be besties, but you certainly cannot hate because if you hate, then you're a murderer. And there's more than one way to murder, y'all. I mean, it doesn't have to be Ted Mundy murder. You can murder with your words, insults, right? You ever insult? None of you would ever insult anybody. I mean, really. No one ever yell. I mean, some of you, you murder every morning coming from Pooler to downtown on 516. You are a murdering bunch. You're murdering, you're murdering, you're slaying people. You're Friday the 13th every day on 516, right? That's murder. That's what he says, right? You can murder someone's reputation, someone's business by saying things that aren't true, spreading rumors, talking about what someone did on their worst day that you know about, right? Um, Or even just, I mean, and, just be very cautious when you're using like Google review and Yelp. I mean, five stars is all you get, right? They didn't bring my water for three minutes. One star. Really? Was it a one star meal? I mean, if you're going to put one star, then don't put no stars. Unless there's like rats running around on your plate. Don't put one star. Okay. I mean, and don't please review churches unless you're going to give them like five stars. Not ours. We had a guy a couple years ago, we used to joke about this. He, I don't think he comes here, so I'm gonna call him out. His name was Buster. And so Buster, <laughs> Buster reviewed us on Facebook and put, and this, we used to tease Ethan because this is when Ethan was leading worship. It, he said, preaching is great. I was like, see? He said, but worship is not so good. I'm like, guys, there you go, Ethan. So he gave us a one on worship and a five on preaching, which gave us a nice three on Facebook, which is like a 60%, which is a D, right? I mean, I'm thinking, are we at D church? Point being, Come on, don't review a church, right? Unless you're gonna let Jesus yelp you. Like, yeah, and you're a one, buddy. Yeah, yeah, okay. You haven't read your Bible in six weeks, one, right? 
What's the point? The point is love is not optional for the church. Forgiveness is not optional. You got two paths, murder, lover, a brother, right? Path of Cain, path of Jesus, son of the devil, son of the living God, child of God, right? He says murderers don't, don't have eternal life abiding him. Not that if you've murdered somebody, you can't be forgiven because David, Moses, Paul, down the line. The point is this. If your direction of your life is marked by anger and selfishness and jealousy and strife and bitterness, and that's just all you are, you're probably abiding in death and not a follower of Jesus. Child of the devil, child of Cain, not child of Jesus, right? So that's what love isn't. It's not about you. It's not optional. It's not always reciprocated. But here's what love is. And this is where we want to go because this is the positive side. He's going to give the example. If love is not this, then what is love, right? Verse 16, by this we know love. Okay, thank you for helping me define it. This is how we know love. He, that is Jesus, laid down his life for us. So Jesus is the model of love. And specifically, what about Jesus? Not that Jesus was gentle, he was. Kind, he was. Powerful, he was. What is it about Jesus that models love for us? That he gave his life. That when you were his enemy, that you were a child of the devil, before the foundation of the world, he chose you. He gave his life for you as your substitute for your sin. That is love. Jesus on the cross is the epitome of love. And specifically, a couple things about this. Number one, love is sacrificial, that means. So love is, if if love is not about me, that it's about giving me. It's about regarding others as more important than myself. It is costly. Love's going to cost you if it's not about you. Right, and so, and all the the mothers in the house get this. You wake up at 3 a.m., you go, Feed a baby, change a baby, give Tylenol to a sick baby, you cradle it, you rock it. What are you, what are you doing? You're sacrificing your sleep and your sanity because you love the six-month-old, right? Or if you have a little bit older kids, you wake up early on a Saturday and go sit in a sweaty, loud gym watching seven-year-olds play basketball and you probably paid $5 to get in the door for the child that you brought and woke up early for, and you do all that. Why? Because you have NBA aspirations for your kid, maybe, but really it's because you love your kid. You love your kid, and you sacrifice for your kid. That's what you do. You work extra shifts at work or overtime because you want to take a vacation, or you want to put your kids in college, or you want them in private school, or whatever it is. Why? Because you're giving of yourself because you love your kid. People give kidneys and and organs to family members or even strangers. Why? Because it's an act of love. I'm, I'm... sacrificing myself, right? Policemen, military, firemen, they lay down their lives or they put themselves in harm's way. Why? Because it's it's an act of love. That's the idea of sacrifice, of giving, right? Even, Even something as simple as I'm a high schooler and my buddy forgot his lunch and mom made me a PB and J. So here's half my PB and J. And here's half an Oreo, just half. I'll twist it off. You get one half, I get half. I'm giving you some pretzels. Why? It's an act of love. It may not feel ooey gooey. I'm giving of something that's myself, right? That's, that's love. That's what we're talking about. It's, that's what he says. He sacrificed. He gave of himself. And if we're going to be this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be inconvenient at times. It's going to cost, right? Like it costs Jesus. It might cost your ego, 
being right. You may know something, but you want to, I'm going to post that. I want to correct that. It might be good for you to not do that. That would be the most loving thing you could do. Although they are fun to read your comments. I won't lie. But that's, that's giving away something that's your right. Or in marriage, maybe you have a spat with your spouse and you're, this time you're 95% right and they're 5% right. I mean, you know, that's not, maybe not how it always runs. But and even though you're 95% right, that you move first and say, you know what? I was wrong. And you don't say, I was wrong for my 5%. Are you going to own your 95%? No, you just, I was wrong. Forgive me. You're, you're giving up ego and you're sacrificing rightness. Why? Because it's love. It, it's what it is, right? That's, that's who we are, right? The idea of love uh, is sacrificing self. And here's what's interesting. The world loves the idea of love, right? I mean, we want to love, love, love. That's what we hear. We hear about love and, and patience and everyone needs to be kind and, and everyone has dignity and justice and rights. They want the very things that we are, are, are called to live. But here's, here's the interesting thing. They want it apart from God. And that just doesn't work. Why is there dignity? Because of God. Why is there love? He just tells us, this is how you know love, Jesus. Why is there rights and justice? It's all rooted in God. Nietzsche understood this. This is one thing he gets right. And I'm not a Nietzsche guy. He's not my theologian of choice, right? I don't read his systematic. He's the one that said God is dead. But after the enlightenment, he's, he's excited because now we're so smart and we're learning science and we're free thinkers and so God is dead and there's no more need for God. But what frustrated this atheist was that people still wanted morality and they wanted to care for the poor and the weak and the sick and, and, and there was some sense of justice. And he said, you can't have God is dead. This is him, not me. You can't have God is dead and all these Christian values. These things are rooted in a Christian worldview where there's a personal God who demonstrates his love for us. He said, the Romans and the Greeks, they would never have come up with this on their own. And so people wanted God's ideals, but without God. And that's what we see today. This is why it's so vital for the church to model love. Right? So love is sacrifice. Love is action. It's moving. It is a feeling. There's feeling. We always say, oh, love is a choice. It is, but it's all there. You can't tell me God says love God with your heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and there's not a motive there, okay? There is. It's just not merely that. Right? He says love is action. God gave his son. He loved the world so much he gave. Here he says he laid down his life. He know love how? He did something. He laid down his life for us. And then he says this, now it's your turn. You ought. And this is a, a word that means you are under obligation. Literally, it means you owe. Like a financial debt, you owe. Paul uses this the word, the word in Romans 13. He says, owe nothing to anyone except love. That's what you owe. Why? Because God lavished you with it. And again, the applications. I mean, do I need to really tell you how to, how to love? I mean, there's just, I mean, the applications are, right? Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's your neighbor, maybe it's the single lady down the street who always yells, the widow who yells at your kids when they ride their bikes by because it wakes up her, you know, 16 pound dog, which is not really a dog, it's really a cat, but that's another story. Uh, maybe it's you going over to that person and saying, hey, is there anything you need? I'm going to Publix. 
can I get you something? Would you want to come over to dinner? We're just having a conversation. So many people are lonely in this season. It's giving of your time. It's sacrificing your time for a lonely person. That's love. Maybe it's finding out your spouse's love language and pouring into that, right? Or your kids, your kid's teacher who is sick of looking at the Brady Bunch on their, t- on their screen, right? How can I encourage you? Uh, your kid's coach is giving up his Saturday mornings even though he's living his Uncle Rico days. Really, he's giving his time for your kid to play football or basketball or soccer and you, hey, thank you so much. Here's, here's just a little something from us. We, we love you so much. Thank you for that. Maybe it's asking someone, hey, how can I pray for you? I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, the applications are endless and if you have the spirit of God within you, you just ask him to show you. Maybe it's asking forgiveness. Maybe it's that person that you know you haven't reconciled with and it's like, oh, it's time. It's action oriented, Right? Not to get something, not to be manipulated because the spirit of God lives in you and you've been made a child of God, right? It is sacrificial, it's self-giving, it's action-oriented. And here's another thing, it's generous. Love is generous. Here's what he says, verse 17. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother need yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. He says, if you have the world's goods... Do you have the world's goods? Here, here's a test, if you know you have the world's goods. If you have a, um, a house inside your house, a house that's made for clothes, it's called a closet, but it's really a house inside your house. And if you walk into your house inside your house and you say, I have nothing to wear, you have the world's goods, unless it's really empty. Or if you have a set of shoes that's just for one outfit and a belt that matches those shoes, then you have the world's goods. If you have another house inside your house, that house is a car, maybe you have a two house house for your, and you can't fit one of your cars in one of those houses inside your house because you have a homeless car because you have so much stuff in the house inside your house, you have the world's goods. If you have an animal that lives in your house and they eat better and have their own hairdresser than most people, right? then you have the world's goods. Or if you have more than three zeros at the end of your checking account, you have the world's goods. Or you're going out to eat today after church and you get this thing called a to-go box and you bring it home and you put it in this ice box that has a bunch of other expired food that you'll end up throwing out in six months when you throw that plate out six months later because you have so much other things, you have the world's goods. The point is you live in America, you have the world's goods. Even if you make $20,000 a year, that's still more than 98% of the world's population. So you have the world's goods. And he says, if you have the world's goods and you see a need over here and you don't meet that need, he says, how does the love of God abide in you? He says, it, it doesn't. Because love is generous. God loved, he had, the, oppor- he had the, the opportunity to do something. There was a need, sin. What does he do? He sends his son. There's meeting the need. That's love, that's generous. It's interesting in the Bible how love and generosity just go together, they are connected, right? And so that's what he says. Hey, you have a need. You see a need, you mean it. You're not responsible for things you don't see per se, but if you see there's a need and then you have the ability to meet the need and you don't. So you, you, you have an extra fridge in your house, inside your house that's made for your car. And in that fridge, you have freeze pops and some extra bottled waters. 
because it's just where you keep them. And then you hear about a buddy over here. It's got three kids and he's working, you know, overtime and he still can't afford a new fridge because things are tight right now. And you say, hey, I heard you need a new fridge. Best Buy's got a sale. Good luck. But you, I need my freeze pops to stay frozen. He says, how does the love of God abide in you? Or maybe you have another one of these houses that's external houses called a storage unit where you're actually paying people to hold your stuff. And you have like four mattresses and four beds over there in this, that the spiders are sleeping on now because the spiders need a good bed. And you hear about a buddy or someone in our church that just needs a couple twin beds because they have you know, a couple people moving in with them or they have new kids and they can't afford it. And you're like, mattress king works great for us. How does the love of God abide? Right? It'd be generous. Or it doesn't even have to be stuff. It could be your time. You know, you hear this person, they really need their kids. They, need to, they can't get to school in time because they have a full-time job. And they live like four miles out of your way. Four miles. I mean, I, if I take them home, I got to get on Duran. I got to sit in traffic. I mean, I'm, I'm home like 15 minutes later. And oh, I don't know if I can do that. It's, it's meeting a need. There's a need meeting. It's, that's what we do as, at this point, is, is we as a church meet a need, right? You, got, you see the young mother of, of three come to church and her hair is like, it's like the 80s and we're not in the 80s, right? It's sticking up like this and she looks like she hasn't slept since the 80s. There's a need that maybe you could go grab her kids one morning so she can just go sit in the Starbucks at Target and feel like it's heaven for a moment. You have a need. There's a need. Again, applications, endless. They're just, they're just endless, the way the church can show love. That's, the applications are endless. Maybe you have some extra resources. And so um, you're like, we get a couple extra hundred bucks a month. And so you go, go grab uh, Tom Stevens and say, hey, what are some of our missions partners that are hurting right now? We've got a little extra Love to throw it their way. Or maybe you would like to care for widows and orphans. James says this is pure and undefiled religion. This is as pure as it gets. So you go to Compassion's website and you adopt three or four kids. For $38 a month, you can feed a kid fully for a month. That's one of your trips to Chick-fil-A. Just one of them, right? You can feed for what you feed your kids for a quick drive-by on the way from baseball to the house, you can feed a child for a month, someone that doesn't have anything. That's, a, that's, a, that's what Jesus says is pure and undefiled. That's love, right? And it doesn't have to be just stuff, time. Again, time, because some of you writing a check for $1,000, you'll never be able to do that. Some of you write a check for $1,000, you don't even know it's gone. So, you know, God has, you, you're a steward of his, of his stuff. But I think a big one for us is time, is inconvenience, right? Is giving of yourself, when, when a bunch of folks come during the week and sit in a room with a bunch of elementary kids just to make sure they're doing their school, that's time. It's not convenient, but it's love. It's things like that. Or it's even the guy that comes up to you and says, hey, I haven't eaten. Can I borrow $5? And you're like, I don't know what you're gonna do with this $5. Yesterday, I, came, a gas, I was filling up a gas station. Guy came up to me. Hey, you asking for me for money? And I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking, oh, this is the text I have. God says, if there's a need and I can fill the need. And so I'm like, yeah, I do. I actually have some, some change and here's here. It's not a lot, but here's what I have. That's the idea. We have need. Uh, let, me, let me just tell you, I told you about one need, coffee team, huge need. Here's another need at our church. I'm just gonna throw it out there and let the spirit convict you and make you feel guilty. All right, here. 
We have added children back and some people are like, well, we don't, you know, why do you have it so small and why don't we have older kids? Here's why we don't have older kids yet. We only have up to like second grade because we don't have the volunteers. It has nothing to do with not desiring to do it. We don't have the volunteers and there's some people that are watching me right now on YouTube or Facebook that they can't come back because they have a bunch of little ones because they can't put their kids in classes. We can't do that because we don't have volunteers. See how they are? It's a circular deal, right? And so the need is... We could use some folks to sign up for CBC Kids and CBC Coffee, right? Guilt, guilt, guilt. If you're interested, fill out a card, call us. But hey, we, we want to serve. And if you're a member here, you, you committed that you would serve at this place. And so if you don't have a place that you're serving, we'd love, for, you don't have to be a teacher. You, you, you just could be present. But we would love for folks to start coming back on Sunday morning. And that's just one way, all right? Let the guilt of the Lord be upon you. All right, let's continue. All right. Um, and, and if you sign up, by the way, respond, because some of you will sign up for things like, hey, I'll show up, and then you ghost us. You're like the Holy Ghost of us. You know, we'll email you, hey, can you be there Tuesday? We don't hear from you after like next year. So uh, that's why he says in verse 18, let us do it in, in deed and truth, not just word, okay? So don't sign up and don't show up. All right, here's the last thing, is love is contagious. It's not in the text, but it's, just the nature of love. It's the nature of love. It's contagious. The early church, they're committing themselves to the apostles' teaching and a prayer, and then they're just generous with each other, and the world steps back and says, whoa, these people, there's no need. It's Emperor Julian. There's not a beggar among them. None of them are begging. And, and it just, it blows up. The church blows up. Acts 2, 47 says, the Lord is adding their number day by day. There's something attractive in the world that is just just mean and cruel and divisive of people who are generous and giving of themselves and caring for others that even they don't know. Some people will hate it, but others will love it and they'll see the light of Christ and they will come to faith. That's why it's important for us. And so here's what I encourage you to do. Would you be willing to pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to just show you needs around you? Where is there a need that I can meet? Where is there a way I can love? Again, with the church of our size, there are just different opportunities everywhere. I can't tell you, I can't walk you through it. If you have the spirit of God and you just pray, Lord, open my eyes, shine flashlights on needs and I will, I'll meet them. Show me how I can give myself, right? Would you be willing to do that and just see where God leads you? That'd be a great thing. That's who we are. I know everyone thinks that I'm kind of just like a sci-fi action movie guy and I do like those things. But believe it or not, I actually like a good musical too. I, I mean, I'm a, that's my softer side, I know. I mean, top five musicals of me, Grease, number five, okay. Um, Fiddle on the Roof, number four, if I was a rich man, yada, 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 right? Number three, um, West Side Story, when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way, baby. I mean, come on. Number two, Sound of Music, Right? Come on. You got to love the sound of me. Number one is Les Mis, in my mind. Okay? And so, uh, and, and, and if you're not familiar with the story of Les Mis, uh, kind of Cliff's notes, a guy named Jean, Jean Valjean, right? He's been in been jail for 19 years, stealing a loaf of bread. And then he tries to escape, and so he keeps getting thrown. He finally gets out, has his convict's card. No one will show him any compassion because he's a convict. He shows up at this place, and this bishop shows him compassion. 
shows him love, invites him in, feeds him with his best silver, gives him a place to stay. All he wanted was a barn and he just lavishes him with grace But because he's such a hardened criminal. He doesn't know how to receive love and grace. What does he do? He sneaks out in the middle of the night and he steals the silver for the guy that was so compassionate to him. And then he gets caught again. And so they bring him to the, to the bishop and the bishop said, oh, so disappointed with you because you forgot the candlesticks. And the cops are like, what? You get? He's like, yeah, I want him to start anew. And John Valjean does not know how to accept grace. He's never been shown mercy. He's never been shown love like this. And the bishop tells him, he said, I want you to start anew and I bought your soul with these. Now I want you to commit from this point on to being good and doing good. And so what does he do? He goes out and that's the very thing he does. And he you know, he becomes a great business leader. He impacts his community. He gives back. He loves others. He even comes upon this young prostitute who is dying, cares for her, and then adopts her daughter as his own. Why? Because he was shown love. And it's the story of grace versus legalism because Russell Crowe, a.k.a. Javert, is the legalist who does everything right but does not know God. Here's the criminal who has been redeemed, whose soul has been purchased, who gets love. That is what God is saying to his church. I have loved you. It's not optional now. Go and be my church. That's the encouragement. That's the challenge. It's the mark of the child of the devil, of the child of God. Let us be the children of God. Let me pray. Father, help us by your grace to love like you have loved. To, um, from just giving us the heart that is new and see that we were loved with an everlasting love and that we can love anything and anyone because of it. By your spirit, show us ways in which we can tangibly uh, be your church. Uh, and for someone here who struggles with knowing that they are loved, uh, let them look to the cross. This is how we know love, that he laid down his life for us. It's in his name we pray, amen. Why don't you guys stand?